0: This is our final uh, week in uh, our fear series, and so we've hit on sickness in week one. Last week we hit on finances and just how fear in those areas can really deprive us of the life that Jesus wants us to live. And so today we are talking about marriage, and so they wanted me to speak because I'm the expert, um, the marriage expert. So that is not true. Um, It's always interesting when topics like this come up and you kind of have to just Go up there and stand it and just, you know, go up there and talk what the Bible teaches. As much as I would like to say I do this perfectly, my wife is standing in the back with a notepad just getting ready to write down everything that I get to work on um, from the talk. So she's she's going to be just helping me through these things. So I'm, I'm up here speaking, but I'm also down there with you. Figuring out how we're going to do all this together and uh, build better marriages and not let fear um, into our marriages to, you know, deprive us of the life that is truly life. We talked about Jesus and he comes to give us life. And so I think if we're being honest, sometimes that's what we want to get into marriage because it's a life-giving thing, but oftentimes if we let fear in, it becomes like a a life-taking thing. And so that's not what we want. And so we're going to be talking about that today. And so, but what if you are single today? What if you have no plans to ever be married? I just want you to know that that is okay. I think sometimes the church kind of forces marriage on people And we don't really talk about singleness a lot. We don't talk about what it means to just live, you know, one with Jesus and to live that single life the correct way. And so it is okay if you're single. This is not to make you feel bad and make this a worry or a fear in your life. This is about marriages, but it's also about relationships. So if I can encourage you in anything, it's just that maybe figure out ways that you can use this and, and encourage other people that you have friends who, who maybe are married um, or if you're if you're younger and you know you want to be married in the future, just think about it as a way to repair you. What can you do now to make sure that these fears, don't become fears for your marriage in the future. And so that's just what, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there today because I think a lot of times we just assume, well, everyone is married, everyone has kids, and so that's what all we need to talk about at the church. But there's more people than that. And so we just want to address that and let you know that we realize that. And so today, what fears are creeping into your marriage? If you look at where, if you are married, what are some fears that you may have? Maybe you're not married and you have your own fears about marriage. But what are those fears? Are you, are you fearful of cheating? Are you fearful that you're not going to measure up to the expectations that the other person has in your relationship? Are you worried about being able to provide? Are you worried about maybe what kids mean for your marriage? What does having a baby, you know, do to the... What is having two kids? What is three kids? Marriage is all about transition and how we combat change in our lives. And are those your fears? Is it sickness in your marriage? Is it your finances? Are you worried about divorce? And so throughout this series, we've been recommending resources that you can take to further study and further comprehend what we've been talking about. And so today's resource is a book by Shanti Feldhahn, that's her name, and it's called The Good News About Marriage, Debunking Discouraging Myths About Marriage and Divorce. And so as we move forward today, I'm going to be kind of telling you some quotes from the book. And so there's going to be times where I do like four pretty long quotes. And so I just want you to hang in there with me to listen to them. Because what she does throughout the book is just debunk a few of the stats that we often hear on the news and get really stressed out about. She kind of talks about what it means to be a Christ follower and to live a healthy marriage and to not let the stats and the the things that people might tell you from a secular point of view about what marriage is about and how we can apply it to our marriages. And so um, this is a good day if you've never downloaded the app to do that because all those quotes will be written on the electronic version. And so if you wanna do that, or if you go online to listen to the podcast at openlife.church, you'll find all of those written out as well. So if you wanna go back, buy the book, you can, or if you just wanna see the quotes that we mentioned today, you can do that. It'll be written out for you. And so I just wanna start off with this quote from her book. She says that the marriage union is designed to be all in, where a couple can be vulnerable, transparent, and forgiving, not on guard, the actions that come from being on guard create distrust, build walls, and sabotage marriages. They set in motion the very outcome that the couple didn't want, an outcome that too often comes because it feels inevitable. Because couples have a sense of futility when they most need hope instead. There's a passage in the Bible that says, Without a vision, people perish. That's Proverbs 29, 18. And the irony is that the hope people need, the good news truth that will give them strength to reclaim their marriage is actually there. They just don't know it. And so today's big idea is fear sabotages marriage. And what we just want to explain is that in our marriages, so many times, I think we tell this story that, you know, half of marriages fail. So it's a really hard thing. Make sure you do your work. And so we we're so excited to be married. And then the minute we say, I do, the minute we're off on our honeymoon, then that's like when worry begins. That's when fear starts. And it's like, I can't think of any other thing in our lives where we, we, we come to this big moment and then we choose to be fearful after that moment. And so maybe that is with what something that you're dealing with, but we just want to say, we, maybe if we changed our mentalities a little bit and said, you know, the minute we get married, there's hope and this is going to be a great life and things are going to happen and we're going to work at this together no matter what happens, then maybe that can change the trajectory of our marriages in here. So that's basically the premise that we're coming from. Matthew 6 31 through 34 has been our theme first for this whole series. And Jesus says, So do not worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So it's important to realize that Jesus gives us hope for today. Today. He had hope for us when we were talking about sickness. He has provision for you when we were talking about our finances. And the big idea today is that he gives us hope to not allow fear to sabotage our marriages. And so instead of thoughts about marriage, today we're going to address and talk about five fears of marriage. And so I just want you to know that not everyone's going to deal with all five of these things. And so maybe for you, only one of them hits Hopefully you can be encouraged by that. Or maybe if you're not married, you can look at these things and say, What can I do now to not let any of these five things that we're talking about come into my life when I know I'm going to be married? Or how can I apply these to my relationships? How can I just be a strong follower of Jesus and follow him with the hope that he has? And so here's kind of um, five Um, If you you do indeed buy the book, here's kind of the big things that she talks about. And so this is data from the good news about marriage. So the first one is the actual divorce rate has never been close to 50%. It's significantly lower and has been declining over the last 30 years. Number two, marriages aren't just so-so. The vast majority of them are happy. Number three, the rate of divorce in church is not the same as among the non-church-going population. It, too, is significantly lower. Number four, remarriages aren't doomed. A significant majority survive and thrive. And number five, most marriages, most marriage problems are not caused by big-ticket issues. So being in a marriage or fixing a troubled one doesn't have to be as complicated as people think. Little things can do- often make a big difference. So if that's not hopeful to you, being in this room and talking about the hope that Jesus has, if those things aren't hopeful to you, then let's begin to change our minds and figure out how we can read these and hear these words and let them kind of transform our hearts a little bit so that we don't go into our marriage being fearful, but that we go into our marriages starting today being hopeful. How can we do that? And so fear number one is the fear of being alone. And I remember when Danny and I got married, and it was just this awesome experience. Um, we did a good job of planning, and so for me, the ceremony was only three hours long, and we got we got married, got out of there, and so it was just a great, you know, we said hi to everyone still, and so it was a great experience for me. I've been to other weddings that are like 12 hours long, and I just was not having it, and so it was awesome. But I remember like even that first night and like on our honeymoon, there's this surreal feeling where you're like you're asking yourselves these kinds of questions. It's like, is this is this real life? Is is are we are really we are really married now? Like, is that really happening? Like, and so then it even went down like we're 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 really together forever now. And so it's like it's hopefully that sounds cute, um, but it's also kind of scary because you're like now you're like the Bible says you are one in marriage, and so you really are one. And so there's this moment where you kind of feel like, this is exciting, I'm so happy, but I'm also very scared, like what's going on? And so sometimes we can feel alone in that. Sometimes we can feel like we're just off on an island, like, you know, no one's dealing with the same stuff that I'm dealing with. And so I think it happens most often when we begin to feel a little bit of tension in our marriages. Maybe you walk through a job transition. Maybe you do have a kid. Maybe you um, are just walking through difficulties and now there's stress on your relationship. And so I think the most often times we feel alone is when we're going through hard times and we don't think that anyone else is going through the same stuff that we're going through. We can feel alone off on an island by ourselves, but what we think we need to understand is that you're not alone in those things. Maybe it's a difficulty as an affair, maybe you've had a miscarriage, maybe you're having trouble having kids, maybe you are walking through financial troubles. The truth of the matter is that we've all are gonna come up to a problem and you fill in the blank. What is it for you? You're not alone. Other people have been in your shoes. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so maybe you're at the point today in your marriage where something's gone on, something's happened, you fill in the blank, but now you feel like Your marriage is going to fail. Let me tell you today that you're not alone in that. I mean, number one, Jesus is there for you. But number two, there are normal, practical people that have been walking through those struggles as well. And so there's two parts to this fear. Part one is, are you walking through something difficult and feel alone? Well, you're not alone. But the second part is, have you walked through some of these difficult things and come out on the other side, then it's time for you to share and help other people through their struggles. We all go through things for different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons if you can come through something is you can be there for other people walking through stuff. And so that would be my encouragement to you, is like in our small group, we talk about stuff that's like other people have gone through. Me and Danny don't have kids, but almost everyone else in our group has. And so it's interesting to know, like, the different circumstances that other people have walked through their whole life. People that have moved all the way across the country, and then I freak out when I move from Kirkland to Bonnie Lake area. It's like, there's so much stuff to do. Well, I didn't have to go through across the whole country. But that's just where you get from stories and stories. And so if you're interested in, in signing up for a group, Uh, check the box, and then when we contact you, just let us know what day works, and we will try and get a group together um, that can meet when you're available. But so here's some other quotes from the book. Where the perception of happy marriages is that only 15 to 25 percent are happy, the reality is over 80 percent of marriages are happy and would do it all over again. In reality, though, around 80 percent of marriages are happy, with around 30 percent being very happy. Another stat, two out of three unhappily married adults who avoided divorce or separation ended up happily married five years later. Among those who have rated their marriages as very unhappy, almost eight out of 10 who avoided divorce were happily married five years later. And the last one, the vast majority, 93% or more, are glad they married their spouse and would do it all over again, including those who had at one time considered divorce. And so if you're walking through something truly difficult, it's important to know that it is okay to hold on. It is okay to talk about it. You're not alone. And to realize that in five years, the vast majority of people, if you walk through it, this isn't just saying hold on in a stagnant place, but if you hold on and continue to work at your marriage little by little— In five years, you're going to look back and say, I'm so glad we didn't give up on this. I'm so glad we didn't let this fail. Hopefully, those are statistics that encourage you, if you're struggling right now in your marriage, that you can hold on and that you can find hope and that you're going to be the better for it in the future. So number two, the second fear is fear of communicating. And just being honest, if you can't communicate, you won't stay together. And so communication really is a two-way street. You have to be willing to listen, but you also have to really be willing to say something when it is needed. And, and I just remember being in marriage counseling, and I, I just joke around with this a lot in our marriage because I'm like if we're having like a semi-serious conversation, I'm always like, "Well, Danny, how does that make you feel?" You know, just, just, just lay down there or." You know, I always bring up like, well, I'm hearing you say this and it's usually in a sarcastic tone and I, I get that look of like, you're in trouble now. You know, I do it just before we're actually really angry to try and like reclaim the conversation uh, to be happy, but sometimes that doesn't always work. Um, but this is called active listening. It's, you're, you're in it to, all, to listen, obviously, but you're also in it to contribute and to communicate. Communication isn't just talking. And communication isn't just sitting there and listening. Communication is putting your input in and receiving input back. And so when we don't do that, when when our marriages are one-sided, where one spouse is only the communicator, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, the other person becomes only the receiver, and then it gets very mangled, and it becomes a very disastrous thing, because then there's no give and take, there's no back and forth, there's there's no true oneness. You're two separate beings where one is forcing themselves on the other. And so fear of communicating is making your marriage harder than if you just had a courageous conversation with your spouse. And I'll be honest, this is one of my things I'm not very good at, is I'm the kind of person who just, okay, just tell me, and then I close off, and then I go do my own thing. I'm just being honest, I'm being real. But we can't do that if you're going to have a healthy marriage. Maybe your step today is to just have a hard conversation where you begin to speak. Or maybe your, your action step is you need to not speak. You need to listen. And that's not always going to be easy because if someone's, if someone's always being talked over, they may not want to just come out and start talking all of a sudden. That's where patience comes in. That's where walking together and figuring out how you're going to walk through the hard work of marriage. James 1 19 through 20 says, understand this my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Talking will lead to a great marriage, but a reaction to what we hear is vitally important. Most of the problems in our marriage can be fixed with just a little communication, less miscommunication, more of okay, is this exactly what you want me to do? Maybe some clarification. That always helps for me. Like, okay, now, how do you like this uh, decoration? You know, I don't want you to walk in and see the, the frame and the wrong height. So just, how does this look? I'm, I'm really bad. We went shopping yesterday, and it's really funny, me and Danny because I always ask her, okay, what do you, I just got these new jeans yesterday. And so I said, well, do you like them? And she's like, Yes. And so then she goes, looks for stuff, and she asks me, it's like, how does this look? I'm like, I don't care. You look great in everything. You know, that's, that's my, like, go-to phrase. And so it's like, maybe, you know, even if you don't care, act like you care and say, oh, you know what? I like this one better than that one, you know? Maybe that is what you need. Um, don't lie, but don't lie, but just walk with people, communicate back and forth together. But communication always allows us to move closer together and to love more deeply. First Peter four a says, most, "Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins." And I think when we communicate in the spirit and the heart of loving each other, then we are able to hear things that hurt. Sometimes we're able to hear honest criticism. As long as it's done in a loving way, we're able to hear it without going crazy about what we just heard. Where not all conversations have to turn into a shouting match, but we can sit down together and really talk through some difficult things. And those things come up all the time. But if you hold those things in, you begin to deal with them separately from your spouse. And so it's important when you're walking through sickness in your life of a loved one, or if you're dealing with a hard situation with your children, it's important not to just hold those things in, but to talk about it and figure out a plan of how you're going to attack those things. And so that leads to fear number three, and that's fear of the unknown. And this is a byproduct of lack of communication because it breaks down the trust that we need to have in our spouse. Because sometimes our words and our actions— can become a toxic environment. Sometimes we do things that unintentionally hurt our spouse. If we don't communicate, oftentimes that's like the first thing is, look, why didn't you tell me you were going to be out or this time? Why didn't you tell me where you were going? And so I think lack of communication causes this, but it's often because we don't have a plan for communication. We don't have a plan or guardrails in place to say, you know what, like, if I'm ever, if I'm ever not available, you can catch, you can get in contact contact with me this way. And so if we don't have that plan for communication, like maybe your thing is, you know, we always have dinner together at night. Or maybe, you know, before we go to bed at night, we're always going to, you know, pray, and then we're going to talk about our days. Um, But whatever it is, where's your plan of communication? Because the fear of the unknown just It can start really small. Maybe it's just an insignificant thing. Oh, you didn't tell me you bought a big screen TV. Like, that's unknown. And like, those things can explode to deeper issues. You know, you don't tell me what you do with any of our money. Like, why isn't there better communication? But those unknown things can just root inside of us and fester and grow until it becomes a way bigger issue than if you just address the unknown from the beginning. And so sometimes questions can hurt. You know, we've all been asked those things, and inside we're like, how can you ask me that? Like, you know I would never do that, but sometimes our actions lead to those questions. And so if we are quick to live a life that doesn't lead to those questions, we don't have to worry about those kind of piercing questions of like, well, what were you doing? Where were you? Proverbs 3.24 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And so I want to just encourage you a plan of communication, or maybe setting up guardrails. I know me and Danny have the, the like, dumb friends app thing on our iPhones. So like I know she has a really long commute, and so I most use it for like, okay, is she on 405 167 or 410? Like when does dinner need to be ready? Um, but if that's something that would help your marriage, so that you knew where some your spouse was, like that's not a bad thing. We think like, oh well. I, they just need to trust me of where I am. But if you, have a, if you are literally one person, like that is more than okay to know where your spouse is. It's more than okay to know the email passwords that you each have or whatever it is that you have in your life. But to set those things up so that there's not an issue of distrust and that there's a beautiful one-body spirit of trust in your relationship. And so, this leads to fear number four, is fear of intimacy. And so, I think the fear of intimacy is the product of allowing the first three fears to exist in your life, is how do you deal with that when you do have distrust, when you don't know what's going on, when you do feel like you're alone? The byproduct is just a lack of intimacy. Ephesians 5:21 through 28 says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And so people have used this verse to just say, you know what, it's the man's way or the highway. And this could not be further from the truth. If we're living in a biblical perspective of marriage husbands invest to their wives just as much as wives invest into their spouses. There's mutual submission to say, you know what, I'm going to put your dreams, your desires over my own. And so it doesn't matter if you are a wife submitting to a husband or a husband submitting to a wife, we both are equally accountable for the work in our marriage. And so that's important. That most of the problems in marriage, when you're talking about working through difficulties, the biggest issue that arises is, in one, when, is when one spouse is working harder than the other. But it's when they're both working together that you get this great like synergy together. That like we are going to go through this because we're going together. Like You have gifts that I don't have, and I have gifts that you don't have. When you bring those things together, that's when marriage is at its most beautiful like fruition in our lives and so if you're lacking intimacy like what can you do to increase that we like to say that right actions lead to right emotions and what we mean by that is maybe you need to go back to maybe that way you tried to impress your spouse when you were first dating maybe go back to just holding your hand out of the blue Maybe it's like snuggling in bed, even though it's super hot and it's really uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you have to get a little bit out of your comfort zone to, to, to just invest into your spouse and say, you know what, I'm here for you. You're going through a job transition. What can I do to help you walk through this? Man, you've been, this week you've done a lot with the kids. Let me take them. Let me, you know, let you have a break. Back and forth, whatever it is, we each have different things that we're gifted in. And that's that's the beauty of marriage, is that you can experience a whole new life together. But what can you do to restore that love? 1 Corinthians 7, 5 also says, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. When you are apart from each other for a long time, it is easy to be tempted for either spouse. And so I just want to say this because it's different than what our culture says a lot of where that sex is this thing to be held over above our spouses. That, well, if you do this, this, and this, you get that, a quid pro quo. I didn't say that right, but you know what I mean. But Whereas in in the terms of Scripture, in the passage, if we're both submitting to each other, then you, the intimacy is a natural byproduct, but it's when we begin to hold that over people. Even in, in non-marriages, when we hold sex over other people, that's when it becomes very unhealthy, and you get into... You get into forms of people doing stuff that they didn't want to do, and so you never want to hold that over someone. And so just take that verse for what it is. But all of this leads to the final fear, and that's fear of no hope. Hopefully today you've seen, as we've been reading these quotes from this book, that you can see that there is hope for your marriage if you put in the hard work. And so if you're at a point in your marriage and you feel like there is no hope, that is the time... To begin trusting Jesus even right now today in the next 15 minutes that we have in this place together <clears throat> maybe you'll choose today to put your trust into Jesus in his plan for your marriage and so whether you're single whether you're dating engaged if you're newlyweds you're well seasoned in marriage maybe you're separated maybe you're divorced Maybe you're widowed, or maybe you're waiting, trying to figure that out. The hope of Jesus is for you today in whatever situation you may be walking through. He wants to shift your worry into hope. A quote, and this this is kind of the frame of what I was thinking for this whole talk, this quote from the book says, imagine the difference to our collective consciousness about marriage and divorce if we began to say, most marriages last a lifetime rather than half of marriages end in divorce. Imagine if when we got married, we were told, man, a lifetime of marriage is going to be awesome and you're going to love it. Yeah, we tell them the truth about the difficulties you're going to walk through, but oftentimes the best advice is, you know what? You better work really hard at this because half of all marriages end in divorce. That's a bleak way to look at such a hopeful expression of Jesus that marriage is. And so, maybe you need to walk today just with the knowledge that you're going to root yourself in Jesus and work really hard at your marriage, and you're going to convince and walk with your spouse together, with them, through all of the struggles you may be facing. And so some other quotes. And so take these for what they are. If you want to, like, dive into them more and research them, I'd encourage you to do that. But if, if, if anything, just be encouraged by some of the other statistics that we can gain from being married as Christians rooted in Jesus. Right now, according to one of the most recent Census Bureau surveys, 72% of people who have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. In other words, more than 7 out of 10 people are still married to their first spouse. Around 25% of first marriages may have ended because of divorce rather than widowhood. Many factors dramatically affect the chances of divorce. Those who marry young teens and young, young 20s who don't go to college, who live together before marriage, and or who don't attend religious services together have a higher risk of a divorce. Those who get married in their mid-20s or later go to college don't cohabitate first in or worship together could realistically have a 5 to 10 percent divorce rate. Weekly church attendance alone lowers the divorce rate significantly, roughly 25 to 50 percent depending on the study. Wilcox documents that those who attend worship service regularly have an average drop of roughly 50 percent in their divorce rates compared to those who don't do not. Simply stated, couples who go to church or other religious services together on a regular basis have the lowest divorce rate of any group studied, regardless of other factors, such as how long they've been married. In a vibrant church with couples who are trying to put God first, more than half of them are not just happy, they're at the highest level of marital happiness and enjoyment. So yes, that is a lot of statistics, those are a lot of figures. But if you're here today, And you're at a point in your marriage where you would say, you know what? I don't know if we're going to make it. Can I just say that there is hope? You just being here is a big step in that, as we read. I mean, it's super simple things that can lead to an awesome marriage. If you just even pray together. If you would say each day, you know what, we're going to talk about our issues and we're going to submit those issues to the Lord, even that communication, if that's the only way that you're communicating, I believe your marriage will be strengthened. And so, what I want you to just realize is that the hope of Jesus in marriage is that it takes work. But he gives you the tools and the direction to be able to know you're going the way that he wants you to go. And so marriage is not easy, but it's also not a curse. It's something to be super excited about. It's a daily work that we pursue because we know that it's worth it. And that's important. It's not just a relationship to further a career or to further your bottom line. It's a relationship that invests into the deepest parts of your soul. And if we hold to that, if we realize the eternal impact that marriage can have in our lives, then what does a little worry have to do with anything that we're doing in our relationship? When you walk through trials and you have the plan to walk through it together, what could possibly take away from your marriage? And so today our action point is remove fear from your marriage, it's pretty simple. And so just some four steps, what can you do today to remove fear from your marriage? Write down your fears, set up a time to share them with your spouse and create a safe place to share those things. And so maybe today, that process is you just by yourself figuring out, okay, what do I need to deal with in my heart to create those safe places? What are the fears or issues that I'm dealing with and need to, before I communicate these things? But I believe that if, we, if we're in our marriages, if we're with our spouse, and we can just come together and say, you know what, what are we gonna do today to impact tomorrow in our marriage. Maybe we just need to take Jesus at his word and say tomorrow's worries are enough to worry about themselves and we need to worry about today. How can I invest into Danny today? How can you invest into your wives' husbands? And wives, how can you invest into your husbands today to impact tomorrow? Take today's fears for what they are Take a step forward and chip away at those fears so that you can see the life-giving opportunities that marriage presents for us. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for each person that's here today. I just thank you for the marriages that are represented here, God. I thank you for just people that are walking through marriage without fear, God. I pray, Lord, that that you would just strengthen and enrich those relationships, God. But for those who are here today, maybe they're separated, maybe they're in the first stages of divorce, God. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that you would bring direction and just wisdom to these situations. Lord, that that if you change hearts, that you would do that, that you would show people the steps they need to take, God, to just love you more, but through that, love their spouse more, God. And so, Lord, I'm not the marriage expert. I don't know oftentimes the answers to these difficult issues, God, but I know that in a daily process of following you, God, you give us direction and you give us just that peace that we can have to challenge those challenges in our lives, God, to attack those things together with our spouses, God, if we choose to, God. So Lord, I pray that anyone walking through financial hardships, through sickness, God, Lord, through maybe in an affair, God, Lord, I pray that you would show them the hope that they can have in you, that if we both in this relationship turn to you, that nothing could possibly get in the way of our relationship, God. Lord, show us what you want us to do today. As we worship you, God, just direct us in your name. Amen.